You're listening to the Health by Design podcast, and I'm your host, Roar Alexander, wellness architect and functional lifestylist. I spent nearly six years of my life on a journey through the ancient East to bring you the cutting-edge combination of modern Western health sciences blended with the time-proven ancient traditions, principles, and practices that have flourished through thousands of years across countless cultures, peoples, and nations. Join me and my many special guests from all corners of the globe as we aim to help you live stronger, longer, and better. Hey everybody, welcome to the Health by Design podcast. I am your host, Roar Alexander, and as always, a huge thanks for joining me. Uh, today I have a my very ever first Q&A episode, so I'm looking forward to this. Uh, the podcast has taken a while to get rocking, but uh, we're finally moving along now and um, got some questions from people uh, just through different various means. So I am going to be covering this. It's very, very exciting, I will admit. But uh, before we get to the questions, uh, what I do is I want to talk about um, a, a promotion I'm having, or it's kind of a contest, I guess. So far, if you listen to the podcast, I have not asked you to do any sort of reviews. I haven't asked you to go and really do anything uh, except for listening to it and you know and share it if you enjoyed it. But now I'm going to start asking you guys if you can start giving me some reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and I don't know. Do they do reviews on Spotify? I'm assuming they must. But let's just go with Apple Podcasts for now. Um, that's where I would like the reviews to come in. So... I have teamed up with the Bedtime Bulb. Uh, Greg, they're the owner of Bedtime Bulb, and we have decided to give away a Bedtime Bulb to basically the first person who goes and gives us a five-star, gives me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts anywhere in North America. So Canada, United States, Hawaii, Alaska, you know, as long as you are in North America, we are going to send you a Bedtime Bulb. And if you don't know what the Bedtime Bulb is, that's terrible. It means you have not been listening. The bedtime bulb is basically a light bulb for nighttime to help balance your circadian rhythms. We know about all the talk about blue light and all these fluorescent lights, um, you know, the CFL lights and the LED lights, and just this bright blue light that keeps people awake. It is one of the one of the problems when it comes to sleep. I am going to be doing a, um, I don't know if it's going to be a video or a podcast soon about the three big sleep issues today, um, but blue light is definitely, you know, definitely in one of those categories. So it has very low blue light spectrum and low green, basically as close to fire as you can really get, yet still having kind of a, a nice white, uh, like a nice soft white light that you can actually read with. It has just enough brightness, you know, to read, look around, but not enough brightness to keep you awake because it's not just about the blue light spectrum. Obviously, if you had a blue light bulb that was ridiculously bright, you know, you have to take the uh, the brightness of the actual bulb into consideration as well. So it's nice. It's got that perfect, you know, balance of just enough bright enough, the low blue, the low green, and the low green is really important too. And if you have not listened to the podcast, go back and listen to it where I actually interview and I have a nice, I think it's about 40 minute long interview with Greg from Bedtime Bulb. Make sure you go and listen to that. So again, I don't want to waste a lot of time. Um, anything new? I'm just trying to think if there's anything new and exciting going on. There's not, not, not a whole lot I can think of right now. I'm working on a couple projects. Uh, always working on some projects. Um, one project that I'm, you know, I'm hoping to get going very soon actually is a course. This is more for I don't want to say just fitness professionals, but it's going to be geared at fitness professionals, fitness and health professionals. Um, but what it's going to be is an online course to help fitness professionals 
or health professionals who have a passion for what they do turn that passion into a, a course and then an accredited course, because it's very important, you know, it, well, okay, it isn't, it isn't that you get your course accredited. It, really, it's not. For a long time, my course is not accredited, and it, it doesn't change the information on the course. And I know there's a lot of great courses out there that are not accredited by anybody. But if you are a, you know, let's just say you're a professional fitness or a professional personal trainer in North America or, or many places in the world for that matter, you need to get continuing education credits. And, you know, it is nice to know that the course you're taking has been, the content has been looked at by a larger organization, um, such as the NAFC out of the United States or Canford Pro or ACE or, you know, or you know, NASM, any of those companies, and that they've looked it over. They've looked over the resume of the person who sent it in. They've looked over the content you're providing, and they've approved that it's good content. So, that always helps, but a lot of people I'm surprised, you know, so many people have these passions for what they do, but they don't know how to turn it first into a course and then how to credit it. But then um, the course isn't going to stop there. The course is going to move into how you can actually take your, develop a course, accredit your course, and then take your course around the world and get paid for traveling. Because that's the big thing. That's what I love. I get paid to travel. You know, I was just in the Philippines got paid to be in the Philippines, got paid to be in Thailand. Uh, I did not get paid to be in India on this trip, although I did get paid to be in India on my last trip. But, you know, the, the dream really is most people, most people want to take a vacation and most people want to take more than one vacation. And think about it. If I could take a vacation yet at the same time make some money while taking a vacation, uh, you've pretty much hit the life jackpot. So uh, that's a really fun course that I have coming up. So uh, I'll let you stay tuned for that. It's going to be a while. This is a thing that's going to take me quite a while. I've never really done an online course before. So it's just, again, it's just something that's coming in down the woodwork. So if you are a fitness trainer, personal trainer, or even a health professional, or really you can take it, you know, through very you know, like many different avenues. But if you want, you know, if you're interested in taking your passion turning it into a course, getting that course accredited, and then taking it around the world, that's going to be a great course to really help you do it. I'll be talking about, you know, the steps that I took, some of the mistakes that I made, and some of the tools that I use, and just really kind of what you need to get that going. But anyways, most of you are not health and fitness professionals in developing and trying to accredit courses. So what we're going to do now is I'm just going to jump right into my first Q&A. I don't want to waste your guys' time. I've been babbling on already for almost seven minutes. So let's get straight to it. Again, I will remind you... Um, to make sure you go to my website at www.roaralexander.com just to check out, um, you know, I usually post there some of the uh, newest YouTube videos. I put those on my home screen. Uh, and also you can find my blogs there. Quite often what I'll do is I will take the show notes here, um, so my notes that I'm talking about, um, and what I'll do literally is take these questions and then kind of the points of the answers, and I turn them into blogs as well. So if you're more of a blogger or you'd like to, you know, get a little more in depth or you just like, sometimes there's, there's a lot of different topics there. There's things that, you know, things that are good for blogs, but not for podcasts, things that are good for podcasts, but not for video, and then things that are really good for video especially when you have to show things. So I have a YouTube channel, of course. I have the blog on the site, and then you have the audio here. So I got my audio, my video, and my text cover. So saying that, guys, let's not waste any more time. Let's just jump straight into it. Number one, hey, Roar, I'm thinking of building a home gym. Can you tell me what I should have in it? Okay, yeah, that's, that is a, that kind of a, it's a, it, it can be a big question. For those of you that don't know, I actually do work in a local fitness equipment store uh, one day a week. Um, 
not because I need the, the money. I enjoy doing it, you know? It's just, you know, I go in there and I get to talk about fitness equipment with people. And, you know, I, they talk to me about their home gyms and kind of what they want to do. And it's, just, it's really just, you know, a couple other guys work there. It's a time for us to talk kind of about training, about equipment. Obviously, I get a nice discount on equipment, which is always a huge bonus. Um, and they are, you know, the cheapest place to buy equipment in Canada anyways that I've seen. So, Great store there. You know what? Let's just throw it out there. Fitness Depot. There we go. Uh, free plug. You're welcome. So yeah, I just enjoy working there. And, and But the thing is, like every week, it's people coming in to talk about their home gyms and what kind of treadmill uh, do they need to travel? What kind of piece of equipment do they need? Um, you know, they come in and we talk about their space, you know, everything. The, the, the store sells right down to flooring. So we start from the floors and we work our way right up to the clips for the barbells. So I guess we need to start is here. Um, when you're building your home gym you have to ask yourself first what's the point of the home gym because home gyms can vary right from huge to just a corner so it, you know and let's just break it down into two categories is it to just get more movement into your day a squeeze a few little extra workouts in between your regular gym training you know, is it like, uh, you know, the, it's a rainy day or it's been a long day uh, and I just want to have a little bit of a home gym, um, you know, for the for the days that are like that? Or is it to replace the gym? Is it literally saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to pay these gyms 50, 60, 100. If you go to Equinox, 200 plus dollars a month. I want to have a really good home gym. So that's the first kind of couple of questions you have to ask yourself. And then, you you know, obviously you have to look at your goals as well. So, which kind of go in line with you know, the point of the gym. But, you know, if you're opening, a, if you're going to be putting in a strength training home gym, because that's what we want to focus on, then you're going to be very different. If you're building more of a cardio gym, then it's going to be very different. But let's just, uh, let's talk about two kinds. And I'm just going to talk about, you know, I'll talk about the two kinds first. So if you're just going to take like a little area in your home, because really what I get is I get two people, the people that are building garage gyms or basement gyms, and then the people that just want a little gym area in their home, like in their living room, even or bedroom. So kind of like, um, I think Equinox is actually building hotels now uh, that actually have gyms inside, um, inside the, the hotel room, like not inside the hotel, but actually in your room. First thing I would say is, you know, having a good quality exercise mat for the floor is going to be really important for doing your crunches. It could be a really thick yoga mat. It could be exercise mat. Exercise mat is going to be a really good one. A selection of weights. And now, and again, there's, this is a, this is, could be, you know, there's, if you're building a small home gym where you have a little bit of space and it's just to squeeze in some extra workouts, you don't have a lot of space. Uh, one of the things that I really suggest is looking at these like power plate things. Basically, it's adjustable dumbbells where they go everywhere from five pounds and you can get all these additions. They go right up to about 90 pounds each. So if space is your thing, you know, you have these adjustable dumbbells that really only take up a couple square feet of space. So those, those are awesome for most people, particularly if you're just going to be doing some like really targeted weight training, like, you know, just bicep curls and triceps and kickbacks more bodybuilding sort of style on the other hand if you are going to be building more like a garage gym or basement gym you want to get into doing renegade rows you want to get into doing dumbbell snatches cleans any of that sort of stuff then i definitely suggest the rubberized hex dumbbells but here now now we get into it right you're going to need a rack probably to store them on and you know you buy them in pairs and they're usually somewhere around 90 cents to a buck a pound 
So you would need, you know, like, and you have to ask yourself the weights you need. Like, so for instance, for me, I probably wouldn't start with the fives, but I probably literally would start with 15s. I'd probably say, okay, 15s can be my lightest. And I think, okay, what would I do with 15s? It's kind of like side raises and stuff like that. And then working my way up to probably, well, for me, you know, I can, when I'm at the, my normal gym, I can do 90 pound or even a hundred pound dumbbell, even inclined fly, uh, dim, sorry, flies, inclined benches. But uh, for if I was to build a home gym, probably go up to about 65 pounds and then just work a little more on the eccentric face. So uh, you're definitely going to want some kind of dumbbells. That's, uh, I think that's what you're going to want for sure. And again, and again, even if you're building the basement gym, maybe you, you, could, you, you could use the power plates, the adjustable ones. But yoga mat, dumbbells for sure. Now... Again, you can have a TRX. I don't really like TRXs too much, to be honest with you. But if you're building a home gym and you know just want to have it, have it behind your door to do some rows, I guess a TRX, something, some kind of suspension trainer is always a good idea. For a basement or garage gym, like, again, at the end of the day, when I help the client, I help the client build kind of an, a garage gym in Thailand. And I said, okay, this is what you need. We need to get you a squat rack, something that goes from squatting to benching. So... We just got him kind of a freestanding one with no security arms or anything. Um, but I would suggest, you know, if you want to have a serious kind of garage gym, then getting yourself at least a half decent power rack or half power rack where you can do your benches, you can do your squats, you know, you can load up the pins to do um, you know, deadlifts. I think if I was to build a home gym, I would 100% have a power rack, uh, would have a barbell with you know up to, probably up to at least 300 pounds in bumper plates or steel plates probably bumper just in case you ever do drop them uh, i think just the, the bumpers are nicer kettlebells give or take uh, you know a lot of people out there love kettlebells if it would be down my list though behind the barbells behind the dumbbells for sure a timer a timer on the wall actually what i use when i had my little uh, gym in uh, thailand I actually built myself a little kind of home gym. Like I went all out because I had a four-story house and I actually built a, a proper kind of gym. Instead of getting one of those kind of expensive CrossFit style timers that are a couple hundred bucks, I went to the dollar store and I just got myself some of those uh, plastic hooks that you can put on the wall that don't hurt your wall and uh, use the iPad timer. So that way you can have a timer on the wall if you want to do any sort of interval stuff or if you want to keep track of your reps. Uh, having a timer, really good idea. You know, if you want to throw down some, you know, fun little CrossFit style workouts, you can do that as well. Anything at high intensity intervals, you know, you can do some of that as well. So a timer. Yeah, uh, you know, a sandbag is a great idea if you have a basement gym or a garage gym. Uh, I really do like jump ropes. Um, but again, most, you know, most ceilings aren't high enough for jump ropes in the house. So we won't worry about that one. For cardio, because cardio machines are really big. Whether you're talking about a... Um, you know, a, a gym in your living room or a gym in your basement. My number one pick would be an Aerodyne Assault bike. A lot of people, you know, they were they were into the rowing machines. Even CrossFitters were into rowing machines. And years ago, years ago, I said, you know what, this, this the rower's good. But even CrossFit is going to, they're going to ditch that when they start, people start catching on to these assault bikes, these Aerodyne sort of assault bikes. And that is, they are the bomb. I mean, if you're going to spend the money on a spin bike, one of these um, Pale Paleon bikes, don't bother. Just get yourself a really solid, real proper Aerodyne bike or an assault bike. Um, absolute calorie burners. They don't take up a ton, a ton of space. 
it's worth it. It's just, it's a great piece of cardio. So if you could have one piece of cardio, that would be it. So my choice for cardio is Aerodyne bike. Everybody should have an Aerodyne bike. Now, another thing that you could look at, and I would really suggest, depending again on your situation, because everything's situational, is a heavy bag. Uh, I like if I, so I always said if I if I could only have if I you had forced me to build a home gym and you only gave me a few pieces of equipment there would be a power rack the barbells the plates and a heavy bag preferably one that hangs up from the ceiling but it doesn't have to be it could be one that just sits on the ground too you know fill the base with water and one that I really really enjoy right now for for certain reasons it's not good for other reasons is the the versus kind of MMA bag the problem with it is um. Well, some of the problem, you punch it, it really moves a lot. So it's not the best for straight up punching. It sounds weird because you think, oh, it's a punching bag. But it's an MMA bag for a reason. It has handles on the top that you can grab and you can pull it down to do knees. It stands up. It's quite tall. It's probably about six and a half feet tall. It's about the same height as me. And maybe, I think it's, yeah, it's about that. And then the other thing about it, though, is, you know, you can low kick it. It's got this pretty heavy base. It's got a 100-pound base on the bottom, so you can kind of do some low kicks. You can practice knees. You can grab the top of it, and, you, you know, you can while you're holding it, say, with your left hand, you can drive some elbows into it. But what I really love about it is that it also lies down on the ground, so you can do some ground-and-pound stuff. So when, unfortunately, it took, a little, it took me a little too long this year to think about it, but what I'm going to do if I'm still in this house I'm at in Vancouver because I have my big backyard and I have a big deck is next year what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy it in the spring and I can put it outside and I can actually use it outside. I can take it down the grass. If I think it's going to rain, I'll just bring it up and put it on top of the deck. But having a heavy bag that I can use, you know, downstairs, uh, down in the backyard is absolutely awesome. Like I said, you can also look for just an old school style heavy bag that you can punch a kick. But, you know, I think you give me a power rack and a heavy bag, I mean, you've given me a gym. That's that's all I need. I could really set, that would be just, that's the dream gym for me, in my opinion, right there. You got your strength, you kind of got your cardio, and you got all the different movements through the um, the heavy bag. And if you gave me a third piece, it would definitely be the Aerodyne Assault Bike. You put those three together, you have yourself a strength and conditioning gym. I mean, that, that that's it. That's all you need. And a mat on the floor to do some stretching after. So that, that's really, you know, that's kind of... That's really about it. Um, so I think the next thing we have to do, though, is we have to ask ourselves, you know, it's not just about the equipment. It's about the environment and kind of the way, just think about the way you want to decorate. What kind of gym do you want to have and what kind of energy do you want the gym to portray? When I had mine in Thailand, I wanted it to be very focused on kind of like strength and conditioning, but fun at the same time. So I had a number of these like uh, movie posters that I picked up in like China or different countries. So like famous movies like Batman versus Superman. I had them laminated. I had them, you know, put in the frame. So I kind of had this superhero theme running through the place. I had a poster for 300. You know, if it's going to be more yoga-ish, it's more for yogas, Pilates, abs work, like I said, movement, then you might want to have some plants in there. Uh, maybe some softer colors, um, some pastels, stuff like that. Some, you know, some really maybe some floor, floor mat, you know, floor cushions thrown down. Um, and just yeah, have a little, make a little eclectic, give a little Bali, get a little uh, Rishikesh in there, you know, a uh, little Thailand style going on, you know. So yeah, think about that, you know, ask yourself, you know, even things down to the scent. Uh, in my home gyms, in my gym, even though when I run right now, I use peppermint oil. 
because peppermint oil has actually been shown to help to um, boost your performance. So, you know, the scents are important. You're going to have in your gym, you want an area that smells nice, uh, an area that, you know, maybe will mentally pop you up over. It's a yoga area. You might want something. If, if your gym is more about de-stressing and it's more about yoga, like I said, stretching, abs, core, some Pilates, you may want to have some scents that are more mellow, you know, um, lavender, chamomile, rose, you know, maybe some cypress in there, anything you want. Um, so think about that, you know, the colors, the, the image you want to portray, you know, I had like sort of these, these about five foot high black walls that I could use a chalkboard on and above that was white. I didn't have as much biophilia as I would have liked because I still think you really should have some plants regardless of, you know, what kind of gym you want just because they do help clean the air. So that, that's what I got for home gym. I'm not going to cover it all. If you uh, if need to, to go back and listen to it, go back and listen to it. I'm not going to uh, go over all those notes again because uh, I want to move on to the next question. So number two is I listen to your shows and you seem to push a holistic lifestyle. What is your thoughts on this whole live longer talk by all these guys like Dave Asprey and all the biohackers? Hmm. Okay, this is an interesting question. So let me start with this. It is great now to see people thinking past abs and bikini bodies. I love it. The conversation nowadays is not about abs. It's about preventing aging. Uh, it's about living longer. You know, it's not about bikini bodies and booties for the most part. Now, obviously, if you're in your 20s, it, it, it still is that, but you're probably not listening to this show. You know, women are looking for anti-aging. I think one of the, I think I heard last year that one of the top, you know, key searches for women at Google is how to live longer. You know, men are looking to live long. Everybody's looking to stay longer. We're talking a lot more about mental health. Uh, you know, the, the the big push right now is all these, you know, the brain books. But I think one aspect, though, that that of the conversation that's ignored that I think is wrong is, like I said, there's a lot of talk. The word, the word longevity and live longer, live longer, live longer. Everybody's about living longer, living longer. But nobody's talking about really necessarily living better. Now, I'm sure they're implying that. But the fact is, we are living longer. And, you know, in the world, we are living longer. We live longer now. North America, we live longer than ever before in history. But we're also living a lot sicker. We are not living better. So we need to talk more about health span. So there's longevity, which is how long you live from the day you're born to the day you die. Then there is health span, which means how long you go in your life before any kind of major illness or issue takes place that kind of distracts down or, you know, kind of takes away from your enjoyment of life. So I think talking about health span and how to live better do you want to live to 85 awesome or do you want to live to 105 shitty that's kind of the question you know you know i can look at my grandma for example you know she's in her 90s and i would say she is living the health span dream she's i think 92 or 93 is on no medications you know is not overweight takes walks still exercises has a little trampoline little dumbbells she does her own gardening has a beautiful house on a horse ranch in van on vancouver island the the important thing i think is talking about you know living healthier and living better and what, what does that mean like what, what does it mean living better oh, it, can, it means so many things to different people but traveling more seeing more things you know having better relationships um kind of all that stuff you hear about in the blue zones right living better looking back on your life and saying you know what i lived really good i did all the things i wanted to do i just didn't live long but i lived the best that i possibly could so 
I think that's you know something that we need to talk about. So when you hear about all these guys talking about all these different biohacks, you know, all these different things about you know, if you cut your calories down, you'll live longer. You know, the animals live longer. Or, you know, or only eat for eight hours a day is improving for you know, all this. But ask yourself, is that really living better? You know, is having these strict rules and all these biohacks and all these things that let's, let's be honest will get in the way of you enjoying your life for the most part are they better don't get me wrong i'm all about doing things you know to help you live longer but at the same time i think a lot of people they don't follow their passions they don't follow things that really make them excited they work jobs they don't like this they study i don't know somewhere between 40 and 60 percent i don't i'm not gonna look it up but you know hate their jobs and that you know job 40 hours a week and then in essence when you hate your job you hate your life people who only take you they get their 10 days holiday a year People who are stressed out, you know, people who are dying of heart attacks on Mondays, uh, which is the day that has the most heart attacks, by the way, is Mondays, just because why? People hate their jobs and hate their life and they die. So I think the conversation, you know, great, we're living longer, but we also have to talk about living better. Um, and you have to decide really what that means for you, living healthier, longer for sure, but also doing the things that will that you really want to do. Um, you know, and making sure you're just, like I said, living better. I don't know. Number three, hey, Roar, I uh, hear you talking about getting more movement into your day. Uh, and you seem to downplay exercise a lot. But I also see that you are a trainer of trainers and you teach fitness courses all over the world. What then, in your opinion, is the perfect workout? And what would a good week look like? Okay, another big question. I think I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. Uh, obviously, it depends on your goal. But you've asked me kind of what I do and kind of my bigger picture. Being 43, uh, I have a, what I look at now is, you know, I'm looking at health span like I just talked about. And I'm looking at longevity. So I'm, look, talk, I'm looking, when I'm thinking about training, I'm thinking about training for life. I'm thinking about training to improve health span and improve longevity. From there, we can say, okay, what are the things that are connected to those, uh, at least on the physical level? You know, obviously, social relationships come into play there, following passions come into play there, but let's talk about from the exercise point of view. So the first things we can look at is, you know, things that mm, we can control, variables that we can control that, you know, if you don't focus on them, will deteriorate over time. Uh, mitochondria, you know, those are the energy of the cells. Basically, the reason you get slower and less good at doing things a lot is the mitochondria. You just start losing them as you get older if you don't train for those. So that is going to come under um, the category of aerobic training. So you do have to do aerobic training. We'll get back to that in a few minutes because um, I'm, you know, there's, I'm not talking about really necessarily aerobics. I don't really, I don't do aerobics on the gym. I don't go on the treadmill or do anything like that, but we'll get back to that. Um, so aerobics, you know, there's got to be a base in there. Um, movement, mobility uh, has got to be a big one, you know, especially in North America. Get more stiff. We got to make sure that doesn't happen. We have to stay mobile. Uh, one of the biggest signs of aging, one of the biggest symptoms of aging is sarcopenia or the breaking down of muscle tissue. So that for me, um, you know, the movement one is big. Sarcopenia is a big one. Uh, and to a point, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, kind of. You know, you hear you get big and then you lose flexibility, you get flexible, you don't get muscle. So 
we got to make sure that all the training we're doing is addressing all these properly. Hormones, you know, testosterone, basically what they say after I think 30, 30 or 40, testosterone drops uh, significantly. They talk about how you lose, you know, bone mass. So uh, hormones kind of, you know, they, they start to drop metabolism. Uh, you start to go into sarcopenia, your, your muscles, it starts to break away. Um, you know, your, your metabolism slows down. So knowing that these are the effects, quote unquote, of aging, um, I'll tell you how I plan my uh, my kind of life. I do a lot of walking. Um, I, I walk most mornings. Usually I walk for at least 20 minutes up to sometimes up to nearly an hour. And depending on the morning, sometimes it's more of a relaxing walk and sometimes it's more of a power walk. Uh, sometimes I throw a little bit of a jog in there, but I'm always doing some low level cardio. Um, you know, anywhere between around four to five days a week some of them maybe some days three but i try to keep it between four and five i don't really i don't go though i don't wake up and say boy i'm gonna go do my cardio now I never that's not the way i think about it i just say i grab sometimes i grab a cup of coffee i just put on a podcast or some music and i just head out and it's just it's a habit i do i just go out there and i do my thing and i just go okay i'm trying to get my steps in the day and i'm getting my heart going i'm getting the i'm getting the, the blood flowing i'm getting that um, lymphatic fluid moving around i'm just i'm feeling good then when I come home, I like to do some stretching. I do some mobility work. Um, I'll talk about that in a few more minutes. When I go to the gym, I'm focusing on resistance training, okay? So I'm doing all that kind of daily, low-level cardio, um, mostly for the mitochondria. Now, mitochondria also re react to high-intensity um, cardio as well, which I'll get to in a minute. But weight training, I focus a lot on weight training at the gym. Again, lots of total body workouts. Um, I do try to go to the gym and train about four days a week. So what I tend to do is a, more of an upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body. Um, if I was only going to the gym two or three days a week, it would definitely be total body. But I just find it, there's not a lot of time if you're trying to get in, say, your squats, your overhead press, your back, your bench. I mean, if you're trying to hit all the major muscle groups, it's a little hard, I find, to do a total body. So I'd rather do four or five days a week kind of split up versus just two or three total bodies. So that's just the way I like to do it. And I enjoy the gym. Uh, so weight training is in there. I go around, you know, I, in, for a while I was, uh, right now I'm kind of actually focusing on quite a bit heavier lifting. I'm focusing on those reps of about five or six. Uh, and then I'll move into uh, more of the hypertrophy range, kind of that eight to 12s. I don't really get into the stuff a lot higher than that. I do tend to be, I'm kind of a five to six or five to eight guy. And then an eight to 12 guy. That's kind of where I range. But I also do some power exercises. One of the first things when you're aging, one of the first things that goes down when it comes to your fitness is the ability to express or display power. That's explosive power. So I always do some, some form of power exercising, um, whether it's a bit of plyometrics, a lot, some medicine ball work. I don't do a lot of Olympic lifting. It's just technical, and I just, I, I just, I just don't want to. I mean, I'm a, I'm a certified Olympic lifting club coach, but... If I'm going to do any sort of Olympic lifting stuff, it's usually variations with the dumbbells. I'll use some kettlebells, and I love med balls and med ball throws. I'm really into just things where you can literally, there's no slowing down phase, no deceleration, just exploding. I like to throw things, so that's a big one. Uh, sprints. Sprints one day a week. I have a, my backyard, it's kind of the, my, the, the house I live in Vancouver, the very hilly area. So I'm just lucky that my house is literally in the middle of a decent incline um, hill so I can go to the alley around the back uh, where there's pretty much no cars a lot uh, everybody's you know, it's just people's backyards and you can just sprint up the hill so sprinting 
once a week, really, really awesome. Um, sometimes when I do go to the um, gym, they do have a rubberized outdoor track, and sometimes I go there and do that as well. So I do have a sprinting day. Mobility, mm, again, mobility is similar to my cardio that... Um, you know, if you've heard me talk, you've talked about my no uh, furniture house. Right now, I'm using my standing desk, right? And I've been doing kind of different, standing on different legs and just doing different poses. Right now, I got my knee crossed over my other leg and I'm doing kind of a figure four in yoga. I have a couple of yoga mats on the ground. I have my Zen zone. Um, in, the, in the living room, I just sit on the floor a lot. Uh, usually when I come back from my cardio in the morning with my cup of coffee, I do some stretching. So I'm always working a little bit on uh, just kind of that general mobility. Um, and then at the gym, if there's anything extra, I'll go grab some bands and maybe do a bit of ankle work or stuff like that. So I'm always working on that. Now, don't go thinking, though, that I'm some kind of mobility master. reason I do so much mobility is because I so suck at it because I ignored it for so long. I have some really good ranges of motion in some areas and really bad ranges of motion in others. So I'm always working on that extremely tight just tight lots of things so not even to get into it you know another thing you want to do is make sure you do have a program like a set goal is your goal to work on muscle is it a strength is it a, you know is it are you in a fat loss periodize and ask yourself what am i training for it's always good to have a goal so you know the difference between exercising and training is having a goal that you're working towards it doesn't have to be a crazy, you know, goal. It just can't say, okay, I'm just going to work on max strength. It could be. But like right now, I said I'm working on a lower rep range because I am just kind of want to work on bringing up kind of just that overall body strength. So that's interesting. And also, it should help add a little bit of extra muscle, um, more of the myofibrial muscle working with the heavier weights um, versus that sarcopenic, uh, sarco, whatever, uh, hypertrophy, kind of the, the pump muscles. So focusing on that denser sort of muscle right now. Uh, and the other thing I do is I really focus on using the phases of lifting a lot in my workouts. I periodize um, eccentric phases where I do a couple weeks of real focused eccentric work. I do a lot of isometric work. I think isometrics are something that a lot of people don't do enough of. So I do a lot of isometrics. Got a lot of weird gyms and weird looks in the gym when you're doing isometrics, but who fucking cares, honestly? Um, so, you know, throw down some isometrics in there. And then if you're working on power, the power is the opposite, right? The power, what I talked about earlier, all the throwing stuff, that's all concentric work. So, really understanding the phases of lifting, and I use those in my workouts a lot. But everything I do is always for the sake of health span. Um, you know, obviously, you know, putting on muscle is going to be great. It's going to fight that sarcopenia, uh, making sure my uh, mobility is there, I'm trying to keep on muscle for metabolism. Um, but the reason I do it is for health span. That, that's really it. Um, I'm not training for any bodybuilding shows, anything particular like that. I'm not training to set any world records. I'm training for health span. And I can say for, you know, Considering the average 43-year-old I meet, I'm probably say I'm, you know, pretty in decent good shape compared to the majority, a large majority of people in my age group. So um, not perfect by far, but uh, a lot better than most 43-year-olds that I know going on 44 in a couple months. So there we go. Hope that helped a bit. Uh, like I said, focus, you know, depending on where you're at, but I say if you're over 35, uh, your thoughts should be, okay, I want to live better and I want to live longer. What kind of training do I need to do that? Uh, number four, 
Roar, I see on IG that you have a meditation area in your home. I'm thinking about building one in mine. What tips do you have on building a meditation area in my home? So um, for those of you that hear the word meditation and you say, ah, you know, whatever, so it's hippy dippy. Uh, let's not call it a meditation area. Let's just call it a me zone, okay, or a zen zone. It's an area for you. So, you know, this is not an area you have to go and sit fold-legged in and, you know, meditate or listen to a gong. Um, but this is an area that I think is important. Um, you know, like I've talked about before, why do you need one? Everybody needs an area in their home that is their me time, that is their de-stress time. Now, if you have an infrared sauna, awesome for you. Probably the best Zen zone in the world is an infrared sauna. You get the detoxification, you get the heat, get the light, and you know you get to sit there. The door is shut. You have some music playing in there, or whatever. Listen to a podcast, or just sit there quietly. Awesome for you. But I think you know we have a kitchen for cooking. We have a bedroom for sleeping. We have a bathroom for going to the bathroom. We have a shower for showering. You need to have a little area where you can go and just sit on the floor and just, you know, a journal if you want. Uh, sit down, listen to some music, do some art, do some painting, do some drawing, uh, do some reading. Uh, or like I said, you know, just breath work, meditation. So I really think everybody should have one. I have a friend, her apartment's like 350 square feet, something like that, super tiny. She still has one. It's a meter by a meter. There's no reason. Nobody can tell me they don't have room for one because I got one in my room here. Um, she has one in her little tiny studio. Everybody can have one. So saying that, where do I think it should go? Um, okay, most important thing, somewhere quiet, somewhere where you can be by yourself, somewhere that doesn't have a lot of traffic. If you're trying to meditate, you by other people living in your house, you know, you're going to feel awkward because they're staring at you. So it should be somewhere relatively private. You know, I've seen, you know, I've got this picture book, um, the different meditation spaces. And I've seen meditation, people put it under their stairs. People put them in attics. People put them in basements. You know, I do like the idea of it going somewhere where, A, you will see it yourself. So you remember to use it. It's great if you can have a window, you know, get that extra light, especially in the wintertime like now. If you can get that extra little bit of light, it's great. Look out at nighttime. But, you know, quiet's one, private is one. And then if you can, buy a, uh, buy a window is really super awesome. Um, the things you want to consider is, you know, what is the space for? What are you going to be doing with it? What's the... What's the vibe you want to have going? Again, it kind of goes back to that home gym thing. I'm all about the vibe, you know. Do you want to have a boho vibe? Do you want to have a, a Bali vibe? Do you want to have a modernistic vibe? You know, like what are you using it for? What kind of vibe do you want? You know, what to consider? Like I said, you know, the lighting is one. The, uh, the smell, you know, can you have some aromatherapy by there? Uh, is it a space where you want to use to get energized? Maybe you want to use that space in the morning. Well, then like going back to the peppermint. I like peppermint because it's been, you know, I find it's great. I love it. And it's been shown to kind of boost your focus and boost your energy. Um, if it's for coming down at night, you want to maybe go with something else. If it's just want freshness, you know, there, anything. There's so many. You can use, you know, I use cinnamon a lot. Uh, cinnamon, I just find it's a nice comforting. I love cinnamon um, air, um, diffusers in the winter. So the light, the smell, you know, get out of the box and decorations. I'm all about, you know me, I'm all about traveling. So I love to grab, the, you know, I just brought home a yoga mat that I bought in Rishikesh. It's this cork yoga mat made by a local company. And then I bought a yoga kind of bag to carry it in that's uh, handmade uh, in that area. I got a Mysore yoga mat. I got some Thai scarves I bought from my Rusi Tatan or Thai yoga training. 
You know, I have it by a Himalayan rock lamp. So, you know, I like to, you know, I have a little uh, flute by there that I bought in India as well. I keep my book by there called Meditative Spaces. I like to just look at that. So get out of the box, have some fun with it, you know, go, get, get, go fun, get some, get, look up, you know, if you don't know these words, look up Zabutan, look up Zafu, you know, and you can get some really cool. Actually, one of the things that I'm kind of kicking myself for now is when I was in India, I really should have bought a cool, Zabutan. Uh, that's a meditation floor pillow. We've kind of they got some really cool ones, you know, handmade, really nice looking ones. Now, saying that, one of the reasons I didn't do it is because there's a woman here in Vancouver who I'm hoping to have on the podcast that she does really cool meditation pillows, meditation carpets. She does really neat stuff. And I'm thinking about picking up one of hers. Um, I do like, you know, I always say if you, you know, if you can decorate your, you know, your Zen zone with you know, something's from your travels or something from boutiques. You know, you go to the, the markets, the, the art, art, artisan markets, you know, great stuff like that. Support local things like that versus, you know, buying it from Lululemon because everybody has the same one. It's like, it's like buying artwork at Ikea. It's like, really? Everybody has that same picture of the San Francisco Bridge in New York. It's, does that really speak to you? I'm not saying, you know, if that's what you got, that's what you got. You know, um, I have a big Joe Beanbag chair. I mean, it's about as trendy, it's about as plain and boring as you can get. But that's one of the things I have. And it sits under uh, another thing I have. So not everything I have is super collectible. Uh, my one floor cushion in the other room and my living room, I bought at Walmart. But, you know, I do try to get out of the box and get a little more local or, or a little more uh, unique when I can. Saying that, I am actually doing a video um, about, you know, designing your uh, Zen Zone. So make sure you go and check that out. You go to my YouTube channel. Depending on when this airs, it may not be up. But let's just say it's uh, November the 16th or something right now, uh, 2019. So I would say if you're listening to this anytime after December the 1st, 2019, that video will be there. So uh, if you're listening to it this week, it's not there. If you're listening to it after December, it will be there. Um, and there's going to be a blog on it too. So I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a whole thing on designing your Zen zone. So make sure you check that out. Uh, and, and plants. I really like plants. That's the one thing I don't have in my area. Uh, and I've talked about that. I think on my Instagram is I really do need more plants, especially the air cleaning plant. I think they're important. Moving on, this is question number five. This will be the last one. Roar, I've been following you on IG and here. Uh, I guess by here he's saying my podcast uh, for quite a while. And I hear you talking, uh, I hear you talk about the importance of a good diet, but you don't seem to push any diet in general. What kind of diet to follow should I follow? What kind of diet to follow should I follow? Or what do you suggest for your clients? Oh, we're at 44 minutes. I'm going to try to make this as simple. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can, as if I was explaining it at a nutrition. We have these little nutrition classes at the gym that I do that are like 30 minutes long. So I'm going to try to make this really fast. First thing I'm going to say is, and I'm going to swear here for those of you with kids, don't fucking label yourself. <laughs> what I hate is... Uh, these labels people are giving themselves right now. It's like, I don't know, it's like the cool kid club right now to be on a particular diet. Um, so that's my one thing. Uh, and I guess this surrounds down to don't follow others. And really, I'm, I'm telling you this, really don't get your diet advice from fucking Netflix. Okay? Not from Mr. Captain Titanic. Uh, not from the Joker. And not from the Terminator. So for those of you that don't know what that means, there was that uh, What the Health by... Um, produced by you know the joker yo you whatever his name is phoenix guy 
you know, that got everybody going off. And now we got this new one, the Game Changers with, um, you know, uh, James Cameron, Titanic director. And, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was, you know, a couple years ago talking about being all about barbecue, meat. And now he's talking about being vegan, which I really don't think he's vegan. Interestingly, James Cameron has now invested like $100 million into a vegan supplement company. So, hmm, let me see. I'm a really great director. I'm going to bring out a movie that really does a great job of pushing a vegan agenda. Um, we're using really biased information, but make it look really good. Use a lot of celebrities. Use a lot of really strange arguments that sound logical until you really think about it. And then I'm going to invest in a vegan nutrition company. Weird. So that, there you go. Don't label yourself and don't get your don't get uh, all whoop-de-doo and excited about Netflix um, uh, documentaries. So saying that, what are we going to do? We're going to take a look at our. I tell people this. This is what you want to do. You got to take a look at your genetics, your lifestyle, your environments, and your nutritional current nutritional needs. Um, you know, things like gut biome, stuff like that. So some of that stuff you'll need testing for, you know, so that's why I am a big fan of genetic testing just to get some general ideas more on things that your body is just not very good at doing. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, you can Google genetic testing, you know, you know, people like it does not tell you, by the way, what kind of diet to be on. Uh, it really doesn't. Just because you're not good at, say, um, you know, got really good with fats it's not telling you to be on a high carb diet it's not telling you hey you know what your body doesn't process carbohydrates great that doesn't mean you go keto it's just some useful tools your lifestyle are you training a lot uh do you have big goals you're training to fight sarcopenia you know you hear a lot about these guys right now talking about downplaying protein protein you know only 10 percent to 19 percent of your diet but they're ignoring the fact that you need protein um, to fight sarcopenia, to maintain that muscle mass. Uh, I will talk about that in a few more minutes, how there's a way to kind of get around that. You know, the, the environment you're in is a big one. It can, you know, if you're in a really smoky, kind of crappy environment, really polluted, then you may, you know, there's, there's certain foods and supplements you may want to take um, that can help you counteract that a little bit. But let's talk about, you know, I guess let's move the big rocks. And I think the first three questions are, is, um, you know, how much am I eating? Because that's the biggest one. How much am I eating? Most people in North America eat just too freaking much. End of story. Most of you, if you're overweight, you're eating too much. You know, number two, what am I eating? So I'm eating too much. And then what am I eating? I'm going to tell you why. Because you look at Asian countries, right? And a lot of those these Asian countries, their traditional Asian diet was awesome, which I, again, I'm going to talk about. But most of them right now, including in Europe and stuff like that, you know, they're not eating necessarily these awesome, great foods. You know, they're, they're kind of eating the same junk food we do, but their meals tend to be a lot smaller. Like you could get Thai street food. I mean, they are cooking with some pretty shitty ingredients. You know, they don't have, they're not using extra virgin, or sorry, they're not using virgin coconut oil or extra virgin olive oil. You know, they're not making sure they're not roasting it so you don't get any ages on the meat. But the amount of food they're eating is very low. You know, they're using usually on average seven inch plates. Um, when you get a rice, they usually dig in with this little plastic bowl, the same size bowl that I use for my son Damon's food. That's what you get. They dig it in there, they plop it down there. It's basically equivalent to about a cup cooked and they put a little bit of food on top. So number one is how much am I eating? 
Are you getting any liquid calories? You know, are you downing Starbucks? You're getting the pumpkin spice lattes this time of year. Or McDonald's just brought out their peppermint mocha lattes. I love those, by the way. Um, but you know, tons of sugar in those. So how much? Second question is what am I eating? Am I eating refined, crappy foods or am I eating healthy foods? If you're eating the healthiest foods in the world, but you're still eating too much, you're going back to the first problem. So that's why we say how much, number one. What am I eating, number two? You know, and making sure you're getting out of those refined foods. And then, you know, I guess the number three one is when am I eating? A lot of interesting research on that. And I think it does make quite a bit of sense. Even when you look back at the Ayurvedic clock, you look back at traditional European diets, you look back at traditional Asian diets. Most of them have the, the, the general agreements in all these traditional cultures where people are lighter than us, where people have less of these chronic diseases that we have that are related to obesity. It's usually, you know, what's the old, um, the old European thing is, you know, big breakfast, medium lunch, small dinner. The Ayurvedic thing is small breakfast, big lunch, small dinner. So everybody seems to have the same idea in common that you don't want to be eating big meals at the end of the day. Um, it's some really re re interesting research, especially if you've read the book, The Circadian Code, a lot on eating big meals within two or three hours before you go to bed. And but because again, think about it, you have a big meal, you're going to spike your insulin, you're going to do a whole bunch of stuff, and then you're going to go bed on a full stomach. It's going to interfere with like melatonin, it's going to interfere with different hormones, your glucose balancers are going to be up. So if you cannot eat about three hours before you go to bed, it's a really good idea. Again, if you can't, because I know some people that work till nine o'clock and they just, they just can't. So again, it comes back to that how much when am i eating is a great thing we can look at but a lot of it comes back to how much um so like i was saying we look what we know works for a huge majority of the population of the planet over centuries and these people these people have no idea i go to thailand and say hey are you on the carnivore are you on the paleo are you go to japan you know are you a pescatarian you wait wait about your south beach they have no idea what i'm talking about you know they don't know vegan carnivore paleo pescatarian south beach they don't know any of these trends yet they are lighter than us and they are having less obesity related diseases than us you know less diabetes uh and things like that so you know if you want to be vegan because it's some internal moral code um great you know but you know, let's look at what works for the majority of the population. And then I also, another thing I do is I read a lot and I like to look at the books. And every major book this year I read on, whether telomeres, uh, brain health, dental health, uh, longevity, it all comes down to one, in every study that's done on these long-term diets, which one does it come down to? The Mediterranean diet every single time. Hands down, the Mediterranean diet is the best for brain, best for teeth, best for body, best for longevity. And I can mix that with the traditional Asian diet, what I call, you know, the Mediterranean diet. So small foods, again, you, you look, take inspiration from places like Japan. Go to a Japanese restaurant. Their food is art. It's very culture when you sit down and you have friends, but you know, Mediterranean and traditional Asian serving sizes and foods are one of the best choices. You know, again, the genetics is going to jump up in there and, you know, testing things out on yourself a little bit. But if I had to, you know, if you gave me 10 people, I would put most of them on something like that. And uh, eight of the 10 are going to do very well on it. So that's really all I can really say about that. 
Um, you know, we got to look at you know, the calories. Obviously, I talked about macronutrients and micronutrients. So again, you know, got to look at the calories and the macronutrients. So how much you eat, but are you getting enough protein? Are you getting enough fats? And that means, you know, are you getting enough saturated fat? Are you getting enough omega-3s? Are you getting enough of your micronutrients? You know, and I'm a big fan of what I call the shift principles, which is spices, herbs, infusions, fragrance, and taste. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more at the bottom. Are you getting enough fiber, both soluble and insoluble? Are you getting your antioxidants through your rainbow of colors? Are you getting probiotics daily? Are you getting collagen as well as muscle proteins? And both collagen and, you know, I, I don't even know how to say it, but muscle proteins, which is your whey proteins, you're eating chicken breasts, all that stuff. That's your, those are your muscle meats. And then you got your collagen, right? Both of those are important. You need those. Are you getting your omega-3s, uh, particularly through, let's be honest, fish for the most part, not plant-based omega-3s that your body is not very good at converting, but getting the real omega-3s that have been converted by the fish. Again, of course, if you're vegan, you'll probably be writing me that there's the algae. Fine, uh, but I'm not going to get into that right now. The, yes, there's an algae source of good omega-3s. Are you getting good amounts of monounsaturated fats? That's your olive oils, you know? Oh, it's another one that I really like is um, macadamia nut oil. Uh, and then are you getting the hormone, this nutrients that help support your hormones? There you go. If you want a really good book, I suggest the book uh, Eat to Beat Disease by William Lin. Great book. Make sure you check that out. He breaks down kind of healthy eating into the different sort of defense systems of your body. So let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, protein because I, I think I was talking about collagen a moment ago. So again, when we talked before, we talked about one of the things that happens when you get older, your body breaks down its uh, muscle. So that's called sarcopenia, the breaking down of muscle. So we need protein to help us do that. But of course, you know, at the same time, there's all the people, the anti-meat people and all the anti-protein people saying, well, you know, meat's been linked to higher amounts of these different um, reactions to your body, these different uh, chemical and protein like mTOR. And so, you know, basically here's the story. Eat meat, get cancer. Well, it's not as clean cut as that. First of all, they don't really talk about the sarcopenia a lot. So I'm not talking about people who are weight training a lot. The second thing is, we are talking about the kinds of protein. And we have two kinds we can break it down to. There is, you know, BCAA rich and there's glycine rich. So collagen is a key protein that makes up approximately 30% of the proteins within the human body and it's found in structures all over the bones tendons ligaments it's also part of connective tissue and the skin you know all that sort of stuff so it's really good at helping with the suppleness and the constant renewal of skin cells so Collagen is high in uh, four amino acids in particular, which are glycine, proline, hydroxyproline, and arginine. And then glycine combines with two other amino acids in the body, glutamine and cysteine, to create glutathione, which is a very powerful antioxidant. So the, a lot of the research on you know meat or protein increasing your risks of cancer, and again, it's not as big as they like to make it say, um, is through the BCAA or the, the, the leucine rich protein. So what I've done, and even what I've done over time is I've cut down my BCAA rich or my leucine rich meat proteins, but I've replaced it with some collagen protein. So I'm still getting quite a bit of protein in my diet, probably about 30% of my calories, but it's kind of mixed now. Uh, it's mixed much better. I don't have the exact ratio. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I'm making sure that I'm, okay, I go a little less meat, a little more collagen. Um, it seems to be doing the trick.
So that's what I'm going to say when it comes to the, the, the whole argument about meat. Uh, I'm not coming to it from a moral point of view. And the story, I think at the end of the day, humans are omnivores. You know, evolution says that eating meat, our brains got bigger. Um, so, you know, lots of arguments for us being omnivores. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But I am, and I do suggest being very plant-focused not plant-based, but plant-focused, meaning get lots of plants and lots of colors and get some meat in there, you know, fish, but also getting some really good quality. And this is the key to good quality red meat in there as well. Grass-fed, organic if you can, and good quality eggs, you know. One of the things when I lived in, in Asia, a lot of the places, you know, the eggs just came right from the farm. So when you broke them open, they were like orange. Here in Canada, you break them open, they're like fluorescent yellow. So, you know, if, you do, if you're going to eat eggs... Get, get some really get, get good quality eggs. That's all I'm going to say when it comes to eggs. Getting back to meal timing, you know, people talk about the, um, the uh, what is it, intermittent fasting. I don't like that as much. Uh, people just, they, they make up their own windows based on just whenever the hell they feel like eating. I'm more about going by science and looking at the circadian patterns. Um, you know, the Ayurvedic clock is really interesting that it matches up so well with circadian eating. But basically that says, you know, Eating with the sun, uh, for the most part. Now, it gets a little tricky because, you know, right now we only get eight hours of sun. But let's just kind of rough it down to seven to seven, generally. You know, you don't really want to be eating too much after 7 p.m. You don't want to be really eating too much before 7 a.m. Saying that, you know, sometimes I get up quite early. Sometimes I'll have my, some of my first calories for my coffee coming at like 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Um, but I try not to have too much food too late at night when I can help it. If it's a day where I'm coming home from work, not till 9, I usually just don't eat or I'll try to eat something at work earlier. Um, but I just won't, I won't, if I know I'm coming home at 9 and I'm going to bed at 10, I'm, I'm just too bad. I'm just not going to eat. It's just the way it is. And then finally, uh, I kind of touched on it earlier, uh, my shift principles. So... One of the ways to get more micronutrients into your body naturally is by using more spices and herbs. Now, when I was living in Asia, India, you know, they are all about spices and herbs. And we really do have a what I've called a wonder bread culture. Go back and listen to my podcast with the author of the book Spice, Dr. Stuart Faramond. We talked all about spices. Um, now, we talked more about spices from... Uh, more of a science, I guess, from a cooking point of view and the flavors. But you got, you know, spices and herbs have been used as medicine for a long time. They can increase the bioavailability of foods. They can increase the nutrient value of foods. Um, for instance, I'll just give you a really easy example. And some of you may know this already. Uh, turmeric, you know, the yellow powder. Um, taking straight up turmeric, your body doesn't digest a lot of it. But if you want to just uh, get more of the curcumin, which is kind of the active part of the turmeric, so the yellow spice. So let's say you're making some Indian food, you know, some infused uh, rice tonight. Then what you want to do is you want to add some fat in there, like say some coconut cream or a ghee or even, even olive oil, any kind of fat, healthy fat oil. And using some black pepper, the black pepper has got the active ingredient, the active molecule is called pepperin, and that's going to help to increase the absorbability of the turmeric. 
Cinnamon is another great one, helping balance blood sugar. Dark chocolate has so many um, benefits. I always have dark chocolate or pure cocoa powder, like real, like real organic raw cocoa powder in my coffee every single morning, or a chunk of 72% up to 90% dark chocolate. Just trying to yeah, get in more spices and herbs. You know, turmeric is great in eggs, great for rice. Um, you can mess around with herbs, basil, garlic. Get more of those in there. Really start trying to get your flavorings through herbs and spices, whole fruits and spices versus heavy creams and heavy sauces, you know, bottles of barbecue sauce, stuff like that. Um, A good example is one I made. I did is I went on the internet and I looked up just the ingredients in real like taco spice because you know I can go right now and buy a taco time pack at the gro- at the grocery store and you know, it's like a sugar and it's got a whole bunch of crap and it's got things I don't even know but at the end of the day I think it was only five spices all that were in my rack I put them together and it tasted even better uh, it tasted the same and it tasted better it tasted stronger so try to get into whole spices I would really suggest Going and buying yourself or building yourself a really awesome spice rack. Um, you know, have at least, I would say, 15 to 20 spices, glass bottles on display so you don't forget about them. Don't hide them up in a cupboard where you're not going to use them. Put them on the counter. Have somewhere open. I have all mine in nice open glass bottles. They're all labeled, and I use them all the time. Like I said, my coffee is a tablespoon of pure cocoa in it and a quarter teaspoon of pure Ceylon cinnamon in it every single morning. So... I do that every time I make scrambled eggs or anything. I always have turmeric in them and I make uh, bone broth quite often. I put turmeric in that, some black pepper. You know, just it's so easy. Um, just remember that my shift principles, right? It's very easy. Spices, herbs, infusions, meaning like my water. I don't just drink water. Right now I'm going through this little kick where I'm actually added some uh, Thai black garlic. Uh, sorry, black garlic, black ginger, Thai black ginger in my water, along with a squeeze of, I always have a squeeze of lemon or lime in there and a little bit of sea salt. So infusing your water, infusing anything. Uh, tea, tea is just an infusion, right? So, you know, can you maybe um, add some matcha powder into your coffee? Uh, there's so many ways. When I was in Thailand, when I lived there, this guy used to make a green tea coffee. So I got the best of both worlds. It was great. Fragrance, you know, getting the, I just, I needed an F and fragrance sounded good, you know, getting the smells in there. So getting your, you know, fragrant rice going like that, adding some herbs in there to get some fragrances going. And then taste, obviously, you know, just really adding more taste into your foods. And that, and the way you do those is by using spices and herbs. So those are my shift principles. Uh, spices, herbs, infusions, fragrance, and taste. That's what I got to say when it comes to nutrition. Honestly, that's a really long uh, answer and it's an answer that so many different people are going to have but I just look at what historically has worked for people I look at the you know my lifestyle I look at the foods that are available and I look at like what are my goals my goal is health and longevity and I go okay well this is the way they eat in huge parts of the world and they seem to do really well they seem to do a lot better than us for a bunch of people who are all about nutritional science and research we're kind of the shittiest bunch of people in the world when it comes to actually being healthy so i don't know uh it's kind of weird i think they should be teaching us we should not be teaching them Uh, anyways it is how it is so one of the things i've learned is you know they didn't need to teach me i just paid attention so hope you guys enjoyed this episode it was quite long 
But again, I think it was a fun episode. I'm hoping to do a lot more Q&As. I will try to uh, not talk so long in them, but I really hope you guys enjoy this. Again, like always, you can go to www.roaralexander, check out my stuff. And until next time, I'm here to help you live stronger, longer, and as always, better. You've been listening to the Health by Design podcast with wellness architect and functional lifestylist, Roar Alexander. If you enjoyed this, please make sure you share it to all your social media so I can get the word out there. And don't forget to join me at www.roaralexander.com to get all the latest updates, blogs, podcasts, and guest interviews with my special guests from all over the world, as well as to set up your own personal call for one-on-one coaching through my Health by Design life and body transformation programs. Again, that's www.roaralexander.com. I'll see you again soon. And again, thanks for tuning in to the Health by Design podcast.